the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday morning, the 20th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with us. My goodness gracious. It all fell apart yesterday, didn't it? I mean, I, I don't want to be too overly dramatic but if I, even if I try to take my bias and my partisanship out of this, and clearly I'm a partisan on behalf of truth and justice and integrity and the presidency and thus the president of the United States and his able defenders in the Congress against this witch hunt that has been started against him or that started against him over three years ago. Trying to set all of that aside, if I am an impartial observer, I have to say, boy, this thing really started to fall apart yesterday. Did it not? Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman was supposed to be the biggest heavy hitter yet, bigger than Bill Taylor even, uh, b- bigger than Marie Ivanovich even, against the President of the United States. He was the man who knew that this was illegal, this was wrong, this had to be stopped. Talking about the uh, phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky except for the fact that he was essentially taken apart by a multitude of great question or uh, questioners uh, and great questions from Republican members of the Intelligence Committee, including, yes, once again, Congressman Jim Jordan. But he was far from alone. Jordan was in taking apart Vindman, and he was far from alone in <clears throat> trumpeting and highlighting the testimony of two other witnesses yesterday who spoke, who also served to deconstruct the entire impeachment narrative uh, uh, of the Democrats, which went from, as you know, and you've been following this, quid pro quo, something that didn't exist, 
to extortion, something that didn't exist, to blackmail, something that didn't exist, and now they've narrowed it down to bribery. They've changed what they're calling this during the hearings, literally. During the impeachment inquiry, they have changed it multiple times based on what? Polling. Let me say that again. Based on polling, they are conducting focus groups, the Democrats are, to ask everyday ordinary, uh, everyday average Americans um, which of these words sticks. Which one is more likely for the American people to understand and which is more likely for the American people to be upset about if they can prove it? And quid pro quo didn't move the needle at all. Extortion didn't move the needle at all. But the polling groups showed bribery. People understand that word. So let's talk about bribery. The one problem is there is no bribery. And witness after witness after witness after witness proved that very fact. The Demon Rats have been working overtime to call witnesses who haven't witnessed anything, which is kind of interesting. Even those out to get the president, such as Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, and I and I do it that way just out of <laughs> just out of um Mockery, I suppose, of of what this smarmy little whiny punk, and I'm sorry to say it that way. He's a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army for for Pete's sakes. I shouldn't talk about somebody who has achieved that high of a rank in such a way. But when he comes off the way that he did, and telling Devin Nunez uh, to not call him Mister, address me by my rank, Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, and then when asked. Why is that so important to you? Do you demand of all civilians to address you by your rank? And he said, no, but people have said mean things about me on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing that, but not really, uh, because what he said was is that my military service has been marginalized by people on Twitter. In other words, people call him what I just did, a smarmy, whiny little puke. Uh, and, and he says they've disparaged my military service, so I want to be called Lieutenant Colonel to remind everybody that I am a Lieutenant Colonel. He's the only one, by the way, who has testified, who showed up in his full military dress uniform. But he feels marginalized by mean tweets, and since people are being mean to him on Twitter, he's demanding to be called Lieutenant Colonel on the, uh, before this committee. Uh, it, it's, it's embarrassing, to be quite honest with you. In fact, do I have that? I think I have that, that. It's it's worth the time if we can make this actually play. And uh, hold on a second, I'll give you I'll give it my uh, give it the old college try here to see if I can pull this up. I've got a ton of audio I do want to share with you, and I'm just not 100 percent sure if I have this one. But uh, yeah, let me see. Here we go. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, I see you're wearing your dress uniform. Knowing that's not the uniform of the day, you normally wear a suit to the White House. I think it's a great reminder of your military service. I, too, come from a military family. These are my father's Air Force wings. He was a pilot in World War II. Five of his sons served in the military. So as one military family to another, thank you and your brothers for your service. Your example here. Uh, I, I, very quickly, I'm curious, when Ranking Member Nunez referred to you as Mr. Vindman, you quickly corrected him and wanted to be called Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Do you always insist on civilians calling you by your rank? Uh, 
Mr. Stewart, um, Representative Stewart, I'm in uniform wearing my military rank. Uh, I just thought it was appropriate to uh, stick with that. Well, because, I, I, I'm sorry, I apologize. Because I don't believe he did. But um, the attacks that I've uh, had in the press, um, in, uh, in Twitter, have kind of eliminated the fact that either uh, marginalized me as a military officer uh, or. Listen, I just. I'm just. People on Twitter. <laughs> marginalized my military service. So I needed to wear my dress uniform, which I never do. And I needed to demand to be called Lieutenant Colonel, which I also never do. And that was Utah Representative Chris Stewart, by the way, doing the questioning there uh, after Devin Nunez had his little exchange with um, uh, with Alexander Vinman. I will tell you this. As I watched and listened to Vinman, and, I, and by the way, he's not going to be the focus of all of our discussion today. We are going to be talking about Volcker, and we are going to be talking about Morrison, too pieces of testimony or two segments of testimony that absolutely blow this entire thing out of the water. But uh, on Vindman, for just a moment longer, I will say this. When I look at that guy and when I listen to that guy whining about Twitter and, 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 and just his, his complete uh, underwhelming uh, presence, I guess, as a lieutenant colonel in the United States military, seriously, as an Army lieutenant colonel, I will just say this. I hope they don't use him in any uh, 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 advertisements or any promotional, military promotional things around this country. Uh, you know, any Army BO you can be type uh, commercials. Because I'll tell you what, any, well, how about this? I hope they don't, I hope they don't promote him in any way, shape, or form around the world, internationally. Because I'll tell you what, looking at and listening to that guy, as being a lieutenant colonel in the United States military, it can only embolden our enemies to attack because that is the face and the sound of weakness. That's just what it is. And I'm sorry, I did not serve, so I should not disparage anybody who has, but I will tell you this, when you're trying to take down my, my, uh, uh, the presidency, my president, trying to disavow the votes or to essentially disenfranchise the votes of uh, of 63 million Americans in an electoral landslide. When you're trying to do that, uh, I lose a little bit of my respect for the uniform. Uh, and I'll tell you this, if this guy is the face of anything internationally, all it will do is encourage, he'll say the Americans are ripe uh, for a fall, because look at the kind of leadership that they have. Vinman is a whiny little <clears throat> colonel. Lieutenant Colonel, to be precise. All right, uh, I've got a lot of audio. I mentioned Morrison, and I mentioned Volker. I'm going to share some of that with you. I've got great questions and uh, uh, Q&A sessions, rather, between uh, Jordan and Vindman, as well as Ratcliffe and Williams and Vindman, as well as, uh, what else do we have here? I've got uh, Mike Turner, Representative Turner, and uh, Chris Stewart, a little bit more on him. So there's audio here that, like I said, I think yesterday was the biggest day. It was the biggest day of the impeachment inquiry, public testimony, public trial, public hearings, or whatever, uh, of the three officially that we have had thus far, uh, or four. Uh, I really do. And the sad part is, well, maybe it's not so sad. I was going to say the sad part is, is fewer and fewer Americans got to see it because the uh, ratings on the television networks for the coverage of these hearings have dropped precipitously day after day after day. In other words, Americans have lost interest. So I say it's bad news because I really wanted most Americans to see and hear, especially Volcker and, uh, uh, and, um, uh, oh, for goodness sakes, why am I brain cramping right now? Um, 
at any, uh, at any rate, uh, hearing Vinman being deconstructed, and then as I was starting to say, uh, Volker and uh, Morrison is the other name. I'm sorry. I don't know why I had a brain cramp there. Morrison. I want more of them to see, more people to see them, but the fact that Americans are turning off the televisions, Americans are flipping channels and not watching this means they don't care. They don't find this that compelling, which is exactly why it should be stopped in its tracks. That's it. It should be stopped in its tracks because the American people do not want to advance this ridiculous uh, impeachment. They want to make the decision themselves in November. And guess what? That's exactly what Nancy Pelosi said that she is afraid of, that it's dangerous to let, the, let this get to the election in 2020. And that's because you are dangerous, because I am dangerous. First, we were deplorable. Now we are dangerous because we just very well may reelect President Donald Trump. And that is something they cannot stand. 919, quick time out. Your phone calls coming 216-901-0945. Right back here on The Authority. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. All right, 923, we continue AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for joining us. So uh, I want to just hit a couple of quick points, then I'll go right to the phone calls. As I said, i got a lot of audio that I want to share with you, and I've got a lot of... Um, in fact, let me do this real quick, if I can, because this one isn't too long. Let me, let me give you this clip. Uh, this is um, Ohio's own Mike Turner. It's amazing the job, the role that a lot of Ohio uh, members of Congress are playing in this, including Jordan, and now also Mike Turner. This is, uh, this is Representative Mike Turner... Uh, talking with Ambassador Volker um, about Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and his testimony and what this means to the entirety of the impeachment investigation. This is, this is important. Now, gentlemen, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of people, and we're going to have to pick up the pace here because these are like short periods of time that we have now for this portion of questions. A lot of people talking about their perceptions, their beliefs, their feelings even, what they heard and their understandings and their thoughts. <clears throat> Ambassador Taylor, Mr. Kent, Ambassador Yovanovitch, and Lieutenant Colonel Vendeman all had conversations with each other and with other people and all had a whole bunch of hearsay. But I can assure you this boils down to just one thing. This is an impeachment inquiry concerning the President of the United States. So the only thing that matters besides all these people talking to each other and all their feelings and all of their, their thoughts and understandings, it really only comes down to what did the President of the United States intend, and what did he say, and what did the Ukrainians understand or hear? Ambassador Volker, you're one of the first people that we've had in these open public testimony that's had conversations with both. So I get to ask you, you had a meeting with the President of the United States, and you believe that the policy issues that he raised concerning Ukraine were valid, correct? Yes. Did the President of the United States ever say to you that he was not going to allow aid the United States to go to the Ukraine unless there were investigations into Burisma, the Bidens, or the 2016 elections? No, he did not. Did the Ukrainians ever tell you that they understood that they would not get a meeting with the President of the United States, a phone call with the President of the United States, military aid, or foreign aid from the United States unless they undertook investigations of Burisma, 
the Bidens of the 2016 elections. No, they did not. You know, pretty much, Ambassador Volker, you just like took apart their entire case. <laughs> there it is. Brilliantly done. Questions asked, answers given as directly as anything could be. Mike Turner, Ohio's 10th Congressional District Representative, asking Ambassador Kurt Volker, former U.S. Special Envoy to Ukraine, those two simple questions. And you heard the answers, and and the summary at the end is 100% spot on. Spot on. You just took apart the Democrats' entire impeachment case. All right, let's go to Doug, who's calling us from Cleveland and waiting patiently on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Doug, go ahead. Morning, Doug Sattel, also 100 Sullivan Way, West Trenton, New Jersey. What uh, Trump is obstructing is egregious to his removal. When he says on the air, I can't wait to get out and get back to land where the criminals are, and every six months he's going to make a new excuse to keep me here, as him and I dialing through a friend of his, Tim Lesh, who is an employee here, he's coming to my room, E274. I reminded Trump that I recorded our conversation. He spent $8 uh, uh, okay, million. Doug, 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 you've lost me in the first 15 seconds of your comments. I don't understand what you're saying at all. Well, uh, I've got the tapes of Trump and him and I at Dunkin' Donuts, West Milford, New Jersey, who was helicopter pilot. He says my father's name, Bill Sattel, who I'm related to, and he spent $8 million on the war. That's what he's talking about. The tapes that I have on him, he wants to know where they are. When you hear him say they're 43 okay, files. Okay, okay, Doug, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in, in, in Mr. Sattel. You've called me many times says, and tried to promote this this book or something or, or whatever. You really need to stop doing that. Let's, uh, uh, let's keep your comments to what we are talking about here. Don't bring me your own version of telephone or, excuse me, of, uh, of conversations you've heard and quit telling me about your uncle. Uh, really, truly, it's it's getting to be monotonous, and uh, it's going to earn yourself a pretty quick ban from the from calling the show. TJ in Cleveland is next. Hey, TJ, go ahead. Bob, I don't know what that last call was all about, but I'm confused too. He's a reg- he's a regular pain in the a who's constantly yeah, asking yeah. us to read this book by this by his uncle or something like that. It's just some bizarre story, but anyway. But, What's up? But you? at any rate, Bob, this lieutenant colonel he he come across to me as a a pompous peacock. You know, I've watched military and ex-military testify in front of Congress and other things. I can't recall ever any of them wearing their dress blues. You know, that's supposed to be set aside for special occasions like military pallbearers, uh, some big ball or something, military, you know, uh, ball or party. Never seen anybody testify dressed like that. You know, that would be like me going out and buying a set of dress blues. You know, I served, you know, in the military, too, and going on a witness stand wearing dress blues and saying, I'd like to be referred to as sergeant. This guy is a dope. I mean, I don't know how the heck he, he reached lieutenant colonel in the Army. To me, he had to have been one of them Obama uh, kind of appointee officers, because when Obama was commander-in-chief, he was removing a lot of, like, good conservative officers and replacing them with his special kind of people. Uh, I was ashamed. I was actually ashamed to say I was in the Army watching this guy up there testifying. Well, I'll tell you what, TJ, you're not the only one who felt felt that way and was really disgusted by this guy. Uh, and, and thanks for the call, my friend. Um, I, I was reading a tweet earlier on from uh, somebody who works with military uh, members, both active and retired, who said, uh, I work with members of the American military on a daily basis. Veterans have been my boss. I've employed military reservists. I've sat for interviews with the top brass in the armed forces. Never have they interrupted me and demanded I call them by their rank. 
This was his attempt to try to dress down uh, Devin Nunez and telling him, you will call me. You know what it reminded me of, to be honest? You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Colonel Jessup in A Few Good Men. You remember that when Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, uh, said something? Uh, well, you know what? It's after he tried to walk out, and he said, "Sit down." And uh, and Joseph said, "Colonel." He said, "Excuse me." He said, "I would appreciate if you would address me by my rank, Colonel." Jessup, rather than uh, you know, by whatever else he called him, and the and the judge uh, said, uh, uh, "You will address him as Colonel, and you will address this uh, this court as uh, uh, Your Honor, or something like that." Because of irony. But the point was, Jessup's character in that movie was supposed to be bigger than life, holier than thou, and his power play against the underling, the mere little lieutenant Caffey, was, "You will address me as Colonel." That's what Vinman tried to play to Nunez. And he didn't expect Chris Stewart, who himself is a veteran, an Air Force veteran, to come up after that and saying, why are you wearing that uniform here? And oh, by the way, I'm military too. I don't ask people to call me by my rank. Do you normally ask civilians to call you by your rank? And that's when you got your little whiny Vinman saying, well, um, people on Twitter are mean to me and they denigrate my service. So I, I wanted to wear my uniform and be called by my rank to prove uh, you know, my service. He, he, is, he is just about the worst face I think you can put on the American military. As I said, if that face became uh, the face of the U.S. military internationally, it will embolden our enemies to attack us because we would look weak. Back right after this. All right, we continue now, 936, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, I packed your phone calls in a second, but I wanted you to hear this part. This is a, a short portion of the exchange, uh, just to go about a minute and a half, of uh, Congressman Jordan, also with um, the Lieutenant Colonel Weenie Vindman, I mean Alexander Vindman, who uh, sounds every bit like the Weenie uh, that I just intentionally slipped in there. Um, I, and, and listen to even Weenie or Adam Schiff jump in to try to defend the, 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 the anonymity of the whistleblower even though there was not going to be any uh, opportunity for the whistleblower to be outed in this exchange. This is important. Listen. Those are people with the, the proper clearance and the, the need to know. In this case, because of the sensitivity of the call and Mr. Eisenberg told me not to speak to anybody else, I only read out, outside of the NSC, two individuals. Two individuals. Das Kent and one other new, uh, person. And you're not willing to tell us who that other individual is? Mr. I, Chairman, I, point I, of order. Sir? Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, point of order. The gentleman suspend, counsel. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I would ask you to enforce the uh, the rule with regard to the disclosure, with regard to the uh, intelligence officer. Uh, thank you, counsel. You know, as I indicated before, this committee will not be used to out the whistleblower. Um, that same uh, Mr. Chairman, necessity of protecting the whistleblower so I don't lose the will time. persist. Uh, you are recognized again, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Chairman. I don't see how this is outing the whistleblower. The, the witness has testified in his deposition that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is. You have said, even though no one believes you, you have said you don't know who the whistleblower is. So how is this outing the whistleblower to, to, to find out who this individual is? Jordan, uh, this is your time for questioning. You can use it any way you like, but what? your question should be addressed to the witness. I'd like to... And your question should not be addressed to trying to out the whistleblower. Well, okay, okay. Uh, See, see, this is this is just so obvious, and the reason I want you to hear that is again, it, this was more about the Weasley uh, shift than even the Weasley witness uh, in this case. Um, it, it, he's asking very 
direct questions, but none of which would have, quote-unquote, outed the whistleblower, unless Vindman is saying, indeed, the person I am speaking of is the whistleblower, and Adam Schiff knows who it is. Adam Schiff is, is in peril, because he has lied as the chairman of the Intelligence Committee multiple times about not knowing who the whistleblower is. Why would he interject right then and there, saying, no, 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 we have to, rep-, unless he knew the guy that Vindman was referring to? Uh, it, it's, it's so transparent, if you're looking... You know, what Schiff is doing here is so transparent. He knows who the whistleblower is. The odds are extremely uh, strong that Vinman is the individual on the call who then went to the whistleblower, believed by most of us to be Eric Charamella, who then went to Adam Schiff's staff, and they sat on it for 18 days while they strategized how they can best use this to impeach the President of the United States before turning it over to the National Intelligence Director, before uh, uh, turning it over to the Inspector General. They kept this to themselves. I think Vindman is in it up to his eyeballs, and that's precisely why uh, he is uh, you know, playing the defensive role that he is in this, in this line of questioning. All right, back to the phones now. We're going to go to Navy man Norm in Strongsville. Hey, Norm, go right ahead, sir. Uh, Mr. Vindman should be a candidate for a court-martial. And the reason I say that, Bob, is in the oath of enlistment, it says, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to same. Now, this is the kicker. And that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me According to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God, he did not go to his officers appointed over him. He instead went to the whistleblower and to his lawyer. He violated that oath. He violated the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and he is a candidate for court-martial. He's a leaker, is what he is. He he is a leaker. And rather than be the whistleblower with first-hand information because he was on the call, instead he leaked it to Charamella, one of you know Biden's cronies and one of Obama's holdovers. Uh, he leaked it to Charamella and said, you take it to Schiff. Don't take it, by the way, to the Director of National Intelligence, which is where it's supposed to be if you truly are a whistleblower. Don't take it to the Inspector General. Take it to uh, uh, Schiff. Ticket shift staff, he'll know what to do. This guy right. is absolutely a leaker, and he's absolutely, well, I don't want to use the word traitor. That's awfully strong, but at least a court-martial should determine that. I totally agree. Well, really, he, he went outside the chain of command. It would be just like TJ or myself were to get a direct order from an officer appointed over us, and we went around that officer and made a complaint to a congressman, for example, or to somebody else that's not within that chain of command. So he is... He is court-martial material, period. You know, the only thing he didn't do yesterday at that... Uh... Call it what it is. It's a shift. S-C-H-I-F-F. Shift show. All right. Um, but yes, I agree with you, and I'm not the only one, and you're not the only one who believes that he is the leaker. This is something that is being discussed on Twitter. And in fact, let, this gives me an opportunity because we have to build up our delay again, because I know that was a slip. That was not an intentional thing by, uh, uh, by, by the caller. Uh, but this gives me an opportunity to play a little bit more of, uh, the, of the questioning of Vinman by Representative Mike Turner, or not Mike Turner, excuse me, by Representative John Ratcliffe. Ms. Williams, um, you used the word unusual to describe the president's uh, call last, uh, on July 25th. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, you used the word inappropriate and proper. Now, 
have word searched each of your transcripts and the word bribery or bribe doesn't appear anywhere in that. Ms. Williams, you didn't, you've never used the word bribery or bribe to uh, explain President Trump's conduct, correct? No, sir. Colonel Vindman, you haven't either. That is correct. The problem is, in an impeachment inquiry that the Speaker of the House says is all about bribery, where bribery is the impeachable offense, no witness has used the word bribery to describe President Trump's conduct. None of them. These aren't all of the deposition transcripts. These are just the 10 that have been released. Six weeks of witness interviews in this impeachment inquiry, hundreds of hours of testimony, thousands of questions asked, thousands of answers given. The number of times that witnesses have been asked any question about whether or not President Trump's conduct constituted bribery before Ambassador Yovanovitch was asked by my colleague Congressman Stewart last Thursday is zero. The number of times witnesses have used the word bribery or bribe to describe President Trump's conduct in the last six weeks of this inquiry is zero. In fact, in these 3,500 pages of sworn deposition testimony and just these 10 transcripts released thus far, the word bribery appears in these 3,500 pages exactly one time. And ironically, it appears not in a description of President Trump's alleged conduct. It appears in the description of Vice President Biden's alleged conduct. I want you to listen carefully for the mic drop after that line. All right, you're not going to hear one, but he should have. Ratcliffe should have dropped the mic and could have walked out of the room because they have changed this entire impeachment inquiry to be something of a quid pro quo, which they realized didn't exist, to being extortion, which they realized they could not prove, to now they are literally, as he pointed out, the speaker said this is bribery? And yet not one witness has spoken to bribery. Not one witness has said the word bribe or bribery. No one who was on the call talked about bribery. No one. In fact, as you just heard, and I love the way he wrapped that up, that's why there should have been a mic, been a mic drop in the 3,500-plus pages uh, of te- transcripts and testimony thus far. The word has only come up once, and it, was, and it came up in, cont- in the context of Joe Biden, who bribed Ukraine with about $1.2 billion in military aid in exchange for firing the prosecutor who was looking into the corrupt company who hired his corrupt son. Stay on hold. We'll come back to you. But uh, we're going to take a quick time out now. Then we're going to talk to my friend Rob Walgate about something very, very different than what's going on right now. But tis the season. And I'll let him explain that next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 
949, now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's take a break from the politicking and the impeaching and all of the lying and the nonsense going on on Capitol Hill right now, and let's talk about the season. And, of course, I speak of the Christmas season. No sanitizing it here. Merry Christmas early. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Of course, Happy Thanksgiving, too. But um, we do this now because December 7th is the date of this year's Christmas in America program. It's an annual event that happens in Medina that's put on by the wonderful people from the Ohio Roundtable, the the uh, AP Roundtable, and the uh, Public Square Broadcast Network, which is the broadcast of the AP Roundtable. And it's uh, conducted and hosted in part by my friend Rob Walgate, as well as Dave Zanotti. And Rob Walgate joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Mr. Walgate. How are you, sir? Good morning, Bob. All is well. How are you? I am fantastic. It's always good to talk to you at this time of the year for the last many years. I can't, can't even really uh, count as uh, how, how long we've been doing nine. this. Is that right? Is this the ninth year? That's that's this phenomenal. Number this, nine. this is the Christmas in America presentation. And, you know, it's kind of um, interesting to me that you do this in very early December. Uh, the first one is in Nashville, Christmas in America, on December 1st. Then, of course, the one we're here to promote and talk about is in Medina on the 7th, and then you do one more the next day in Peoria, Illinois, on the 8th. It's it's a little bit earlier than a lot of Christmassy type programs, and so we've got to get this now in November. Um, is there a particular reason you guys choose the dates that you do, Rob? Well, it's open in the venues, and people want to make sure they come to this event and later in december there's so many things going on with work gatherings family gatherings we found we do the one in nashville we do it the sunday after thanksgiving we do two shows in nashville tennessee where there are a million christmas programs and one of the shows is already sold out wow (laughs) then the following weekend we come to medina cornerstone chapel and um we used to do two shows there the reason we're only doing one show this year in medina is because the people in Peoria, we go there for policy briefings. I go out there. We have a lot of friends out there. And they you got to bring Christmas in America here. you got to bring, well, so we put Christmas in America in Peoria on December 8th. Bob, we've already sold that show out. So I have some folks in Peoria that are angry with us. They're actually <laughs> making the trip to Cleveland so they can see the show because they can't get a ticket in their own town. Well, I've uh, been uh, so blessed to be able to bring my family to this event for the last two or three years, and I've got to tell you, each and every time, it just leaves you with a warm feeling in your heart and a big smile on your face when you walk out of there. Uh, and for those who have not experienced it, and we need to convince to get their tickets now, uh, give us a description of what Christmas in America in general is all about, Rob Walgate, and now t- then tell us about this year's focus, which is... 1783. We're going back a ways for the... Uh, we uh, are. We are. Yeah, tell well, us about it. We tell stories. Each year we tell stories, and the way to tell a story is we start with the manger, because that's where Christmas started, right? We start with the manger, but we take you back and look at a specific year and a time in history, and there's a musical component as well. So it's storytelling, but there's a musical component, and it's in essence live radio on the stage, because this is done, our, our program, the Public Square, airs on over 200 stations across the country, and this is done to put all across the country during the Christmas season, um, which your audience will get to hear on December 25th, but um, it's a way to bring people in, and this year, 1783, you know, George Washington, he, he made a promise to Martha that he would be home in time for Christmas dinner, and that happened in 1783, and the audience is going to get to hear that story live as well as hear some amazing musical talent from all over the country as well. So it's a fun time for us to get together. And like you said, every time people leave and they go, wow, 
I had no idea about that story. I had no idea that's where that came from. So that's what we want to do. We just want to help people. We want to educate people. And we want to let them know what we're really celebrating every year. Rob, uh, Dave, your your friend and colleague, and uh, and uh, the man in charge of the uh, the AP Roundtable, uh, Dave Zanotti, is a master storyteller. Um, when yeah, he, he is. Uh, and not just him, but uh, and uh, you know there are other voices that are included in this as far as the narration and the wonderful musical performances that you're talking about. You have some incredibly talented artists who lend their you know lend their abilities to this thing. But when you listen to Dave tell these stories and when you listen to the music, I mean, honestly, it's just such a it. it how did you? How did you guys? Now this is this is number nine. So let's go back nine years ago. How did you come mm-hmm. up with this, and how has the program evolved since the first one? Well, it it, it has. Uh, we came up with it because we have some themes and stuff that we do at work, and one of the ones that we felt the Lord was pushing us for was start with Christmas. Start with Christmas, and that's that's what we had. this kind of starts our year for us, Bob. And if your listeners want to go to thepublicsquare.com dot com backslash CIA, which stands for Christmas in America, they can look and listen in the archives of all the previous shows. We've done 1981, we've done 1950, 1915, we've done the Civil War. They can go back and listen to those programs to give them an idea and how it is tied together each time to tell a story. And this year, the audience is going to be introduced. Uh, Dave and Alan and the video team, a bunch of people, went to, we went to Mount Vernon, and we interviewed William B. Allen who is an amazing professor. He's a historian. He's some, you know, Bob, how there's some people in life that you could listen to read the phone book? Yeah. For me, he's he's one of those people. So you're going to get introduced to him and hear him tell some of the stories of some of the research and history that he's done. You're also going to hear Dave talk a lot because Dave has just come out with a new book called First that deals with George Washington. So there's a lot that will be tied in with that as well. It's an exciting event. Um, it's less than two hours in length. A lot of people say, wow, that went really fast, and I'm not sure how you got all that information in in that short of time, but that's the goal is to make it an enjoyable experience for everyone and for the family. And that's with an intermission, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it, and it yeah. does. It really goes, it really goes fast. It's a, it's an unbelievable thing. In fact, for those who don't know, um, the event that is done in Medina each year, uh, for the last three years, we have replayed that because this is a recording. So this is actually, you know, the, the entire program is recorded for air on the public square and also for, you know, various other enterprises, including this show, uh, on Christmas Day, um, during, from the night. 9 to 11 slot in which uh, the show normally appears. We replay Christmas in America uh, from the Public Square Broadcast Network and uh, Dave and Rob and the entire crew that he's talking about right now because it's uh, it's just perfectly appropriate for Christmas morning. And I look forward yeah. to having that on again. And for your listeners, if they want to, we would love to have them join us at 1 p.m. at Cornerstone Chapel in Medina, Ohio on Saturday, December 7th. They can get tickets by visiting us at thepublicsquare.com. Click on events. All the information is there. We've sold a lot of tickets for this show, and I don't think there's any doubt that this one will sell out as well. There's no and, doubt. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm staring at it right now, and I, I took note of what you said before about Nashville and Peoria already being sold out. Unless you want to lose your seat to somebody from Peoria, you better buy it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're coming. And you know what's interesting? We thought, can I leave you with a quote, Bob? Can I leave sure. you with a quote from Washington, a letter he wrote? And, and this talks about the times a little bit that we're in today. In this letter, now we're doing 1783, but this letter was written in 1792. And this was written from George Washington to Edmund Randolph, who happened to be the Attorney General of the United States. 
He closed this letter with, in a word, if the government and the officers of it are to be the constant theme for newspaper abuse, and this too without condescending to investigate the motives of the facts, it will be impossible, I conceive, for any man living to manage the helm or to keep the machine together. So in 1792, George Washington was writing to the Attorney General of the United States, talking about newspapers, talking about, we call it fake news today, right? But he's right. talking about them going after it. Now, he wasn't talking about repealing the First Amendment, but with that First Amendment, doesn't responsibility come with it? And it was a theme, we think it's a theme only today in 2019, it was a theme in the 1700s with George Washington as well. He recognized amazing. that danger. That is amazing. And and that's the great thing about this. It's a celebration of Christmas, but it is also a little bit of history. Even, uh, to, what, two years ago? I think it was 1980. What year did we do? 1985? No, we did 1981. 81, yeah. Christmas card, correct? Recent history or, or you know, a couple a couple hundred years ago history. Uh, it's just, it's it's so much fun, and it's so educational, and it's so entertaining. It's, and uh, like I said, it, really, it will leave too. you with a smile. Kids, kids it, love it. The, oh, oh my goodness! Yes, absolutely. Because of the singing and the you know the the you know the the storytelling and the singing, they sing along and they clap their hands. It's really a great event. Rob Walgate, uh, thank you for coming on and reminding everybody. Thank you uh, and all of the folks at the round table and at the public square for everything you guys do. I know it's going to be a fantastic performance. Again, get tickets at thepublicsquare.com/events. Rob Walgate, thanks so much, my friend. Hey, thanks, Bob. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's still pre-Thanksgiving to say that, but this is when the program is starting at the beginning of December, right after Thanksgiving, so I will indeed uh, engage in uh, It's a good thing we're on radio right now. If I was doing this on television or on a webcast or something, I'd, I'd look like a goof. I'm sitting here smiling ear to ear. I do. I, I smile when I think of this program. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm looking at the... Uh, the webpage right now is Rob and I spoke, and it just reminded me of the great times there uh, that that my family and I have had listening to these programs and participating, participating, excuse me, and experiencing this thing. And uh, uh, it does; it it'll leave you with a smile as well. And uh, I really think you should consider that if you're looking for something uh, that is totally family friendly and Chris way to get yourself started in the Christmas uh, spirit and a Chris- the Christmas experience. Consider this one. Thepublicsquare.com slash events is, again, where you'll buy your tickets for that. All right. Let me get a quick time out here. And if you're on hold, stay there. I promise you'll be right up after the top of the hour news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.